And in it, he maintains that Jesus was nothing other than a human being, a traveling Galilean preacher with some revolutionary ideas about God, and his later followers exalted him to the status of God. And, and their ideas kind of gripped the Christian church, but those ideas couldn't be more different. What, why God became man or how Jesus became God, those are two really mutually exclusive ideas. Who do you think Jesus is? You think he's a great moral teacher? You think he's more? I'm going to read today from uh, John chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. And Jesus spoke again to the people. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from and where I am going. You have no idea where I came from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with my Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two is valid. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your Father? You do not know me or my Father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offerings were put, yet no one seized him because his time had not yet come. Once more Jesus said to them, I am going away, and you will look for me and you will die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe I am the one I claim to be. You will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is true. What I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father, so Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Lord, this question of uh, who is Jesus is pressed upon us uh, here in the Bible as the most important question that we'll ever answer. And so as we think about it, 
Help us to get it right, we pray. Amen. Well, Bart uh, Ehrman's idea that Jesus of Nazareth was just a moral mortal, a a great teacher, but just a man, nonetheless, is hardly original. In his letters to John Adams and Joseph Priestley, Thomas Jefferson said much the same thing. Jefferson detailed in those letters how he thought that the church had uh, perpetrated a, a great deception on the world in exalting Jesus to the status of God when he was really only, as Jefferson said, the most sublime of human moral teachers. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a great difference between those two concepts, you know. Maybe we could start with a common denominator. Maybe we could say whatever anyone else thinks about Jesus, we could all agree that he was a, a great moral teacher. But as good as that sounds, I'm not really sure that we can start there. Because when we look at the things that Jesus says, and particularly here, rather than judge him to be a a great moral teacher, we might judge him to be mentally ill. We might judge him to be a lunatic. He, He begins by saying here in this passage, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we're used to that statement. We see it on Christmas cards. We hear it at Christmas time. But it's a shocking statement. If, if I ever stood up here one day... Uh, and were to say, not quoting Jesus, and not for hyperbole, but were to say in dead earnest to you, folks, listen to me. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The elders would say, that guy needs a vacation. He, he, He needs to go and get some professional help. Right? There's something wrong with somebody who would say that? It's a shocking statement. In, in Mark's gospel in chapter 3, we're not told all of the things that Jesus was talking about, but we're told there that the things that he was saying prompted his family to come and to seek and take charge of him and take him out because they said, do you remember? They said he, he's out of his mind. Saying these crazy things. It's a startling and strange thing to say. I am the light of the world. And it was, I think, more startling to them than it is to us. In first century Judaism, phrases like light of the world and light of life are phrases that were associated with God. So in Psalm 4 we read, Lord, let the light of your face shine on us. In Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Psalm 56, let me walk before God in the light of life. And in Isaiah chapter 10, God is called the light of Israel. 
And if you read through the Gospels, it's, it's clear that Jesus was not ignorant of the Old Testament. He knew the scriptures well. So he could not have been using that phrase in ignorance. Is it possible for someone to be a great moral teacher and mentally ill? And certainly the things that Jesus was saying, it seems that their indications in the gospel made some people suspect mental illness. His family says he's out of his mind. They ask here, is he, is he going to kill himself? Who do you think Jesus is? When he says things like this, you might conclude that he's delusional. A man with mental, mental illness, a, a lunatic. Or you might conclude that he's engaging in deception, that he's a liar. Pharisees seem to indicate that. They, they challenged him. They said, you're appearing as your own witness and your testimony is not true. Now, what they're referring to is two passages in the book of Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and Deuteronomy chapter 19, that talk about a matter being established on the basis of two or three witnesses. But interestingly, as they say that to Jesus, they're misapplying the passage. Because those passages speak about um, charging someone with a crime or convicting someone with a crime that carries a serious penalty. And I think that that's why Jesus points out to them, he says, I, I pass judgment on no one. I'm not saying anything to you that would require two or three witnesses. He's made this statement about himself. He hasn't made a charge against anyone, but he says, if you want to apply that standard, I have two witnesses. I've got my own statement and claim, and I know where I've come from and where I'm going. And my father is the corroborating witness. And they ask him, where is your father? Now, you know, it's interesting that later in this gospel, one of his disciples, Philip, will ask a similar question. He'll say, Lord, show us the father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus will say to him, Philip, have I been with you for so long and yet you don't know me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. And, and what Jesus is getting at here, what he's saying is that these religious leaders don't know the Father. That's what he said, meaning that they don't know God. It's quite a thing to say about the religious leaders. You don't know God because if you did, you would recognize me. That's what Jesus says. And you could draw the conclusion that he's lying. 
So as tempting as it might be to say, you know, as, look, as we look for a place of commonality here where we can stand and begin to talk about Jesus, we can all agree at least that Jesus was a great moral teacher. I don't think we really can. Because the things that Jesus says about himself, the claims that he makes, are so outlandish that either he's a lunatic, he's got mental illness, or he's a liar who is trying to deceive people, or there's another possibility. He's the Lord. And when I say he's the Lord, let me be clear, I don't mean that he's an earthly Lord, I mean that he is the Lord God. In verses uh, 24 and following, Jesus says, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your, sin. you die in your sins. And as outlandish as it may seem, that's the claim that Jesus makes. He makes the claim of being God. Now, you know, the things that he does... Um, through the Gospels, uh, healing the sick, feeding those who are hungry, forgiving sin, are all the things that the prophets said that God would do when he came. But it's what Jesus says here that's so startling. So startling, I think, that the religious leaders are not quite sure that they heard him right. Translating something from one language to another is hard. Ask, ask my Greek students. Ask Jeremy. Jeremy's had me for Greek here. It's hard. And it's hard because you can't really translate properly just taking one word and rendering it into the language of another word because some things that you say in one language you can't say quite the same in another language. So as my... As my students advance in their Greek ability, <clears throat> I always put on their, on their tests and I underline it, translate into good English. Because I don't want them to just take words and, and, and put them into bad English. And, and so translation can be tricky, it can be difficult to take something, understand it in one language and render it so that it's understood that same way in another language. And sometimes, in order to be able to do that, you need to change the way that the phrasing is said, or sometimes you might need to rearrange words or add some words. And our translations do that in order to try to help us. But sometimes, sometimes they help us to miss the point. And I think that that is the case here. In, in my translation in verse 24, I, it reads, I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die, to, die in your sins. Uh, maybe your translation says something like, if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. 
But in fact, the Greek just says in this very truncated way, if you do not believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Uh, that would be an odd phrase to say, what, I mean, what does that mean? If there's nothing, you know, I am what? If we, if we don't believe you're what? It would just be an odd phrase. Were it not for the fact that in Exodus chapter 3, God reveals himself by the name I am. Let me read it for you. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. And Jesus Words are unexpected and they're strange. Unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. And it, and it so catches the religious leaders, the Pharisees, off guard that they uh, ask him a question here. Who are you? Now, um, you know, we didn't have magnetic tape in those days or digital recording devices, so... I don't know for sure how this was inflected, right? Because we can ask that in several different ways. And we might ask it, who are you? As though it were a request for information. We could inflect it that way. Or we could say, who are you? Right? And that conveys something a little differently. As I, as I read this, I think that the way that they asked the question when they heard Jesus say that was, who? are you? What exactly are you saying about yourself? Do you understand what it, what it sounds like you're getting at? But we're told, you know, at the end of the passage that I read, that as a result of this, that there were many who put their faith in him. And that sounds great. But as the chapter unfolds, if you read it further, and God willing, we'll read it in the coming weeks, the faith of most of them will not last very long. won't last, in fact, beyond the end of this chapter. They believe in Jesus because, and as long as, they misunderstand it. And I'm afraid that there are many people today who believe in Jesus because they misunderstand him. And if they were to ever catch a glimpse of who he really is, of what he's really claiming and saying, what he really teaches, that their faith would evaporate like water spilled on the pavement on a hot day. Who do you think Jesus is? 
Jesus said, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am, you will indeed die in your sins. It's harsh. Why did he say that? I mean, it sounds like Jesus is saying, hey, if, 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 if you don't you know, get the answer right, if you don't, if you don't know the right thing to think, then, then, then you've had it. You know, this is the final exam. But I think to understand what Jesus is saying here, we have to go back to our basic problem. The, the basic problem that humanity has, the basic problem that I have, the basic problem that you have. And the basic problem that we have in and of ourselves is that we're alienated from God, that we, that we run from God, that we hide from God. And, and we, we make idols, we make things to worship, career, friendships, relationships, wealth, whatever it is that we hope will bring us fulfillment and satisfaction. And they don't because we're looking for the substitute for what we were created for, which is God. And that's our base problem. It's humanity's basic problem that we don't know God. And the claim of Jesus here, the claim of the Gospels, is that God himself came into the world so that we could be reconciled to him, so that we could be restored to him, so that we could have fellowship with him, so that we could find our fulfillment in him. And what Jesus is saying, in effect, is that if that is the case and he comes into the world to us, and we still refuse to recognize him, even when he's come to us, well, there's really little hope for us. That's the claim that Jesus makes. It's the claim that the Bible makes. That this is God come in the flesh to redeem us, to restore us, to meet us, to meet you where you are, and to reconcile you to God. Who do you think Jesus is? You think he's a great moral teacher? You think he's more? In his famous book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis observed, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That, Lewis says, is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with the man who says he is a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. 
You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Who do you think Jesus is? Father, as uh, we reflect on that question, I hope throughout the day that you'll give us uh, wisdom and insight to get it right. Because our basic problem is that we've been alienated from you. And if Jesus is who he claims to be, then we can be reconciled and restored. Lord, if he is who he claims to be and we still won't recognize him even if he's come to us, well, there's little hope for us. Really nothing left but for us to die in our sins. So Father, I pray that you'd help us to get the answer to that question right for your glory and for our good. 